Hello and welcome to Economics of Learning. I'm your host, Don Killingbeck. I'm very excited to have a special guest, Bob Dewan, with us today. Bob, I know you. Uh, we've known each other for several years, have had a lot of uh, conversations with you about business and schools and, and how they work. Bob, but our, our listening audience doesn't necessarily know you. Can you tell us a little bit about who Bob Dewan is and what you do? Certainly, Don. I appreciate the fact that not only are you doing a podcast, but uh, that you've asked me to be on it. So I appreciate that. Uh, my name is Bob Dewan. I'm from Saginaw, Michigan, originally. Uh, I do live in Bay City now. I moved out about a year and a half ago. And uh, so I am now a resident of Bay County, which is a little bit different for me. Uh, School-wise, uh, I went to, to CMU and graduated in accounting and thought I wanted to be a CPA. So I came out, went into the the real world, so to speak. And after a couple of years decided that I wanted to go somewhere else, tax season was killing us. So uh, I decided to get into community mental health programs. And I was the CFO for Bay Arnett Community Mental Health, as well as Gratiot Community Health uh, in Gratiot County. And then I got into schools. And so since uh, schools have been about 22 years, I was at Buena Vista early in my career moved on to Millington schools, and then also worked for Huron Intermediate District and assisted some of those districts out in the thumb. So really coming from a, what I'll call a, a small to small medium-sized district perspective, and uh, certainly understand the complications of a small business office and uh, a small administrative staff and how the workings of those districts differ maybe from some of the bigger districts around the state. So now I work for an organization called the Michigan School Business Officials. And we are the professional organization out of Lansing that deals with anybody really within the district that is not in the classroom. So we deal with your buildings, grounds, facilities, food service, technology, of course, the business office itself. We have superintendents that are involved with our membership, HR professionals. So we cover what I like to tell folks everything outside the classroom that has to operate within the district, similar to how a business side would run in a normal business. So that's who I am, uh, and I'm more than happy to be here today. So Bob, you actually, so with your work, um, you, I mean, that's a great answer. I'm just trying to think where to go from there, because with your work at MSBO, uh, your organization really helps credential and help train everybody outside of the classroom. That's is that correct. a fair, fair way to say? I mean, we've got uh, food service, central office staff, HR, business officials. I mean, so the name Michigan Business uh, School Officials really is is bigger than what you might just think with crunching numbers. It's it's bigger. Absolutely, than that. absolutely. We have we have twenty eight hundred members uh, from all different aspects of schools. And we do have training programs. We have certification programs that cover the gamut, whether that's finance, whether it's facilities, uh, food service, HR, we've got it all. We also have a lot of committees that are made up of our membership, uh, which include those various areas. So we really focus on that whole other, and, and we like to call it the business side of schools. And uh, yes, training is our big thing. It seems as late we have been really involved uh, with the policy that is coming out of Lansing and, and not necessarily dealing with the legislators themselves, but trying to figure out how you can take the policy that's being passed 
and implement those at the district level. And much of the structure of the financial side of things is where I focus. We do have others in the office that focus in the support area. Uh, my main mission at MSBO is our finance-related members. So, Bob, in what ways are schools like business? Well, there's, uh, there, there's a lot that crosses over. Obviously, we have employees, and with employees comes everything else. That's your tax reporting, that's your negotiations, potentially in a union shop, if you're familiar with unions. Uh, certainly have to deal with that. We offer health insurance plans. Uh, we do participate in retirement plans. And on the other side of that, we will uh, offer a 403B or 457 plan, which for some in the, in the business world might look more like a 401k. Uh, we have to deal with any issues of buildings, uh, OSHA, my OSHA, building codes, uh, market conditions impact us uh, incredibly. We are funded through the state of Michigan. When the state of Michigan has issues on their fund streams, which we have somewhat seen in the last year and a half, uh, however, uh, I think some things have propped up a little bit. But we are really funded the major section on sales tax, which includes use tax, income tax, and of course property taxes that are paid uh, throughout the state. So when market conditions change. When values of homes or values of business goes down, property, property tax income also goes down. When incomes go down, obviously our school aid fund goes down. And it just, sales tax is a big one. When people stop spending or having the additional funds to spend, the sales tax takes a hit at the state level, which trickles down to our funding. So we are in a sense, market driven, similar to what a business would, would see in times of uh, up, up swings and downturns. Uh, another thing that I think is overlooked quite a bit is the pride that folks have within the school district. Uh, as, as a taxpayer looking in, you, you see folks that are working, which seems to be a very stable environment. Uh, you know, I think some people may think at times the jobs are a little cushy. Uh, I can assure you that the system itself operates much like your normal business would, and our frustrations and concerns are very much like a business and the operation of a private business. So, from a you know a business operation standpoint, obviously you have consumers of the the product or the service, you have employees, facilities, you have equipment, you have all those things like a business might. In, in what ways do you think of schools that they're not like a business? What are some things that they differ from a regular, you know, business? Sure. Uh, you know, one of the big ones is taxes. Obviously, schools don't pay taxes. They are exempt from tax. So that's probably a big issue. A lot of decisions in the, the business world are really related to how that impacts the taxation of that business. And decisions are made. Uh, maybe in that manner, which for a school district being tax exempt offers us the ability to focus on different things, making decisions based on maybe the good of the whole or at, at the heart of all of this is the student and student learning and, and truly bringing up that next generations of leaders in our community. So from that perspective, uh, we are a little bit different. One of the things that I think people don't understand is the control 
over your budget and specifically the control of revenues. Uh, in a school district, you don't really have control of the revenues coming in to support the programs that you're building. In some cases, and we've seen it in the past, where partially through the year, we'll see a cut come in our funding from the state of Michigan. We've already planned out our year. Many times we've already purchased supplies. We have put contracts in place with uh, our teaching staff and support staff. And really we are on a, a roll to get through our year and things change. We have no way really at the local level to provide more revenues to support our system. And that's one thing I think people don't always see. What we do see and what we're a little bit different than business is that we have the ability now uh, and have for quite a while to go out for bond issues and millages to support our facilities. So that's a little bit different. We also have taxing authority, which business generally does not have. So it, although that would help, those funds can't be used for operational funds, uh, funding of the district. So getting a bond issue, putting on a new gym, building a new high school, those are coming from funds that are passed by the tax base and come through a millage levy, which generally is bonded out uh, so we can afford to do those projects all at once. So that's probably a really big difference. But as for operations, you can't change the cost of your product. We're not really producing uh, that type of a product that sells or is for sale. So that that's probably one of the biggest things. The other thing is schools have really become what I call the safety net of the community. We don't have an opportunity to turn away our raw product. Uh, I've got some friends, one friend uh, owns a steel uh, uh, shop and within the shop I say, well, what would you do if you received the steel in, in your machine shop and that what the steel itself wasn't up to the quality that you expected? What would you do with that? Any, well, I would send it back and tell them to send me some new steel. I understand that. In our business, everybody that walks through that door is number one priority. I don't care where they come from. I don't care who they are, what their economic background is. That individual student is our raw material. And we, by law, are dedicated to make sure that raw material gets into the best community member and the best educated person that we can provide based on our funding and based on the opportunities we offer. So we don't have the opportunity to turn people away. They come to us, we make it work for them. And, and that really, really is something that people don't understand. In a big difference for us, we can't have a bad year. Everything is based on student growth. It is based on improvement of our staff. We don't have the opportunity to come in and say, well, folks, sorry, it was a bad year. Uh, this group of seniors, we just didn't get to our level of production on them. Sorry about that. We'll do better next year. Very difficult for us to do that. And in fact, in most cases, that is not an opportunity for us. We have to make every class that we graduate the best class. And so those are some big differences that I see that maybe you wouldn't see by the outside, and you're hearing this from a person who operates in the business environment, but I have 20 plus years in, I can tell you, I see it every day moving through our school districts in Michigan. Well, Bob, I really like and appreciate your 
your likening of students to raw material. You know, when, when we get them, you know, parents send their best kids to us. They don't keep the best ones home and, and send, send the ones that need the work uh, the most. They send their best kids to us. But I think that uh, I really appreciate your analogy about uh, students being raw resources. I think that that's a, a real good uh, comparison. So, Bob, when we, we talk about the business office and the classroom, what is the relationship between, you know, school business officials and teachers and how do how does the business office and the classroom work together? Well, that's interesting because, you know, you, you would look at the business office and say, well, what do they have to do with students? That's just extra people sitting around uh, uh, doing some compliance work at times. And, you know, much like our discussion about the business side, uh, happy employees are productive employees. So from the perspective of the business office, not only do we like to get involved a little bit more in the classroom level and what students are doing and celebrating and taking pride in the opportunities that we have in our district. The other side of that is let's be sure everyone's paid on time, paid accurately, their health insurance is in place when they need it. And when they have a life change of some kind, we're on top of that in the business office to make sure that those employees of our business, of our school district, are taken care of. And that's a real big priority. If you have teaching and support staff and bus drivers and food service, HR, tech people, if they are happy about where they work, if they feel like they are getting the communication out of the business side that they need, they are going to want to come to work and produce the best that they can for the students of the district. So in a support role, the business office is really that side to say, we've got this. You worry about getting that raw product out of here is the best product that we can produce. We'll take care of you from the perspective of your livelihood, your family, so you don't have to worry that the district hasn't done something and later you find out, maybe at retirement time, that what you thought was happening didn't happen. So we take pride in the ability to kind of stand in the background and not take the center stage. This is a school district. This is where educators and students are our focus. We like to sit in the background and make sure that business runs without exceptions. And, and that's the key to being not only a great business official, but also great leadership from superintendent and board on down. Uh, without everybody being on that side of things, uh, boy, it gets real difficult. So once again, we deal with pay issues. The communication of payroll-related or investing-related uh, uh, information is critical. Uh, folks will invest, similar to what, what I talked about with 401ks on the business side, 403Bs and 457 plans are retirement plans. Uh, if, the, if the individuals that work for you don't understand those, they're going to get to retirement time and say, geez, I might have needed to save some more money. It's critical that we get those employees to understand what's available to them, how to make it work for them, and really uh, keep that in front of them as they move through their career. Obviously, we deal with student accounts and, you know, pop machine money and cookie sales. That all comes through our office as well. And following those procedures and working with not only the students involved in the student government, but also those teachers 
who take on that special role of dealing with those clubs and student organizations. It's imperative, not only from a legal side, but from a smooth operations of those at a district level for the business office to make themselves available and get to that level where the students and the business office may communicate. Uh, it, it, it works very well in districts that have that type of relationship. And believe me, when the audit happens, uh, it is much easier and cleaner when we're all on the same page. So do we actually go into a classroom and teach? I can tell you there are some business officials out there that do that. Uh, but for the bulk of it, we like to sit in that back room and make sure the business hums so that the real work that's going on out in that classroom can take place at a high level and folks don't have to worry about the backside. We've got you covered. You know, it's, it's crazy to think, you know, Bob, I don't, you obviously you were an accountant. You were trained as an accountant. You know, I was trained as a teacher, and I would have never known or guessed if I would have just stayed in the classroom, not gone into, you know, union leadership, uh, those kind of things. I would have never known there was a whole other aspect. It, it, and I kind of liken it to the duck on the water. On the mm -hmm. surface, it just looks smooth. And, uh, but underneath that uh, water, those feet are moving uh, to yeah. propel our organizations forward. So, Bob, this is one of my favorite questions. If you were king for the day, mm. you know, you're the supreme ruler, <laughs> how would you structure schools and what would look differently? Wow. If you would have asked me that back in high school, I'd probably have a whole different perspective. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, here's the big thing. We, we have a structure in place right now that works. Does it work exactly the way that it was designed to work? Yeah, we've tweaked it a lot over the years. We've changed so many things after we put something in place that it seems, you know, every year we're making different changes and not, you know, we're going to reform something because that's a big word. We're going to reform it, but then we don't give it enough time to actually make the reform work or discover it doesn't work. We want to reform next week and then next year and next year. So, so for me, if I were king for the day, uh, you know, it's kind of like my mom and dad taught me. Go in that direction and you're probably going to hit a wall and then you make an adjustment and move on. But don't turn right around, come back, and then run this way. You have to make adjustments. You know, you, you see a fork in the road, you take it. I think that was Yogi Berra. Uh, funding is a big issue. So what's the big issue? Is it the amount that we're receiving? Is it should we get more? Every time you talk to somebody in schools, it seems we need more money. Now, I can tell you, my friend that owns the machine shop, he thinks differently. So here's the deal. Funding based on something other than account that takes place after we start our year only makes sense. If you want the school business uh, official in your district to be able to produce a budget that is dead on from a revenue standpoint as much as it can be, then let's fund schools based on a known number, a known number of students. And basically what it comes down to today, we're funded based on student counts that occur in February of a year and October. But we, that October is the bulk of our funding. Schools are already in place. As a school business official, as a board, you have to have a budget in place by July 1. So many times in the spring, we guess at 
what our revenues might be. I don't know how many students I'm going to have. My best guess is this. I'm going to multiply it, but whatever I think the per pupil foundation will be that we receive, and then I'm going to go with that. And then when October count happens, I have to redo my budget. Well, believe me, if you don't have fund balance or reserves uh, left over from a prior year, that can be disastrous. So why not fund us on a known number prior to me providing the budget to the community and the Board of Education? Just makes sense. We don't have a way to change our revenues once this year gets started. I'm halfway through my year and I realize I have fewer students or maybe I have more students and I need to put more programs or, you know, unfortunately, maybe some facilities in place is very difficult to do. Folks need to understand, we can manage the budget very easily if we know what the budget is before we have to have things in place legally. So if I were king for a day, I would be funding based on a known quantity prior to the legal budget frame, which is July 1. If at July 1, I can have my good number, I can provide to the Board of Education in my community the best budget with a known quantity of revenue. The other side of this, and we've seen this over the last couple of years, um, special education costs are, are quite expensive. Now, the issue with special ed is that we aren't funding it fully. We don't have a fully funded system. So what happens is we take funding from general education and we supplement what we're doing uh, within the special education. If, if we, by rule, are given the charge that we are going to serve the student in any capacity that they need based on their, their uh, condition, then we need funding to provide that uh, to them. Everyone is trying to do the best they can, whether it's at your ISD level uh, providing some revenues for special ed or at the local level. But the fact of the matter is we aren't fully funded in special education. And as a matter of fact, we're using general ed dollars to fund that side. Let's get special ed funding funded where it needs to be and allow the general funding to do what we want. And that's operations. The other thing is we have allocations. And I'm not going to get crazy on all the details because you really are going to get bored. But the key is this, we already have things in law, in place, programs that have passed through uh, from legislature to legislature that are not fully funded. They're partially funded. So before we start opening up all these new good ideas, let's fund what we already have and let them work. And one of those is at-risk funding. At-risk funding has a long history of not being fully funded. So when someone says, and, and you may or may not understand it all, and that's fine. Let's put it this way. The programs we put in place to help those at the greatest need, we aren't funding fully in Michigan. Special ed, at risk. Those are two big ones. I'm king for the day. We're going to figure out a way to fully fund both of those. And then we're going to start talking about what we do with general funds. Last thing, Don, and you got me going on this. My last thing is this. Facility funding in schools in Michigan. It is all based on the community and your ability to pass a bond issue. The other thing it is, is based on property values. So in one community, a very small millage may produce a lot of funds. In a smaller community or more rural, maybe the property values aren't at the level they need to be to get enough funding at a high school or for, to build a high school unless you go for a big millage. 
and that sticker shocks people. We need to square up from the state of Michigan and provide facility funding at the local level to districts. Don't make us go out to the locals and have them vote on whether or not I should have a new high school that has all the latest greatest that I need to bring that raw material of student to the best student I can graduate. Don't make us do that locally because now we have disparities in what you're able to pass or what people can afford. That's one of the greatest uses of, of our tax authority is to go out for a bond issue for facilities. Uh, other states, we're, all, we're one of a few uh, group of states that don't provide some type of facility money through our general funding at the state level. Uh, that needs to be seriously looked at because I think that's, we spend our political capital within our district as a leadership group by asking people to vote uh, in a bond issue. Now, of course, we can't go out and say vote yes, but we go out for a bond issue so that we can provide a greater opportunity for your student. And I have to come out and almost beg to do that. That's ridiculous. State of Michigan should take care of this. If you are gonna hold our revenues, and that's the only way I can get revenue, if you're gonna hold that, then the state of Michigan should deal with that. And maybe the state goes out and does a major bond issue. Uh, for the most part, uh, that hasn't happened, but it needs to happen and we need to take a serious look at it. So thanks, Don, for giving me that king, uh, kingdom for the day. And I'm all fired up, and I know we have a limited time, so I'm not going to keep going. But you can see my, my focus, obviously, is consistency of funding, knowing funding. And if you're the state of Michigan and a taxpayer in the state, and you've supported these changes for at-risk special ed, or you'd like to have that new, new fancy high school with the science lab and a new gym, then you need to get on board with supporting us through funding, which unfortunately for some, it's taxes. So unless we buck up and say, uh, Don, Bob, produce the best person you can, that's great, but we're gonna do it within the frame of the funds that we have. More funds equals bigger, better product in some cases, not all in some cases, but these are a few areas that I think king for a day, boy, we could square away a lot of issues in the state if we dealt with it. So, so to recap that, I wanna make sure I got you correct in a quick synopsis. One, probably fund us on the student enrollment from the previous year. So as we're, we're looking at next year's budget, you go back to the previous fall, the previous spring, those are our numbers that fund the next year so that we have a solid number when we, it comes to funding. Yeah, Second one of the thing things, Don, let me just, let me add to that. I would say what we have promoted for years is give us the greater of the students that come in uh, October count or what we had last year. And right. as it fluctuates, then I we like can that. make the, well, then we can make the changes and it gives us a year to make that change. And that, that is the most reasonable. So fund me at the greater of last year or what I walked in the door this year. Then you can truly get those dollars to the students that need it. Well, and then if you're a growing district, which there's not Absolutely, many, doesn't hurt you, you, that's right. You know, it doesn't hurt you. And then the yep. other thing is, is facility. One of the things that, that I see school districts doing is, you know, that's how they're able to differentiate. That's how they're yeah. able to create inequities. Absolutely. Because 
if a school district can go out into their community and say, hey, you know, please fund our facility, take care of our facility, what happens is you're able to reduce the the general fund burden in, you know, for either maintenance or for operations. Because let's face it, if you have a new boiler, that new boiler is much more efficient than the 1950 boiler uh, that was there. And so you're able to really redirect more dollars to the classroom. And it, it does create inequity. I mean, well, Don, the, the other thing we didn't talk about is what is the inequity, what does that create with schools of choice? And, and so what happens is your neighboring district pass a bond issue, they end up putting in a new gymnasium and a turf dome. And, and so they have indoor training facilities for uh, the community and for their uh, athletic and other programs. Well, guess what? That will draw students in on a school of choice side. And those students coming in are going to get the benefit, but their families aren't paying it because they're outside of your community, meaning that they didn't vote on the millage. So your folks will be paying for that. So what, what those inequities allow for is really taking your neighbor students and pulling them in because the opportunities that you're putting in place through, in this case, facilities. So not only does it, does it uh, you know, create some type of a, a differentiation between the communities, which is fine. That's how it is all around the state. But the inequity that you're talking about is exactly what part of the problem is, and especially in this schools of choice environment. So Bob, any parting words, you know, for our audience as we close, you know, do you have any piece of advice, any additional information that you think is important for people to know as they try to understand school finance in the role of the business office and how it works with uh, the classroom and student learning? Yeah, I, you know, number one, I would say this, uh, become a little bit more informed about how the school district that you live in operates, whether you have kids in school or not. And I think you're going to find that you can support most all of what's happening within that district because there's a lot of misinformation or people that really don't understand. Uh, I, I think maybe some of this uh, uh, podcast today is going to hopefully help eliminate some of those things that maybe we didn't understand about the business side. But becoming informed about your district is really not that difficult. We have a lot of things that are on our websites. We have transparency reporting. Uh, there's just a lot of good stuff out there. Um, also, if you're if you're so inclined to understand the business side, get a hold of your school's CFO, business manager, or whoever provides that type of uh, work for your district. Listen, there, there's a lot of people like me out there that would love to sit down, spend some time, show you how things work and what maybe doesn't work, and and get your support for why we need maybe some change in these areas. Without knowing that. You know, if, if you're going to have an opinion, then you have to spend some time on getting the information. And I can assure you, our membership, and I feel very comfortable in speaking on their behalf, they would welcome folks coming in and learning more about their district from the non-educational or maybe athletic side. There's a whole nother world out here. The other thing is certainly uh, you can go to our website, which is simple, MSBO. Michigan School Business Official, msbo.org. You're going to find a lot of resources out there. 
we, for the most part, don't have a closed down website. What I send to our membership and what I am giving them as updates and, and information on what's happening at the state level, that, that's available to the public. We don't lock that stuff down. So I would welcome you to, to have folks come to the website, give me a call, my contact information's there. I'd be happy to sit down and explain things or point you in the right direction or make the connection with your local business manager. Uh, th this is a great opportunity for folks. Right now in the state of Michigan, we have uh, a real lack of folks that are coming into the business side of schools. We're seeing it all across the state, not only in small districts, but big districts. These are career jobs that are going to really give you a comfortable work environment, although things get a little uh, crazy at budget time and maybe if you have some board uh, changeover. But you know what? It's a stable environment for the most part, and uh, you can certainly get take a lot of pride in your job. And there are jobs all around the state, Don. I, I, I can't tell you how many superintendents call me saying, Bob, do you know anybody that, that can do some school finance? We need somebody, our person retired, and, and we can't find anybody. Uh, I hear it every week. And for young, young folks out there, students in high school, students in community college, school, students at the universities, uh, if you're in a business degree, if you're in an accounting degree, we want you. We can provide you not only the training, we can get you up to speed very quickly. We'll support you through not only the beginning, but the rest of your career. Uh, and we can really set your standards high and uh, you will have a very fulfilling career. So with that, Don, I, I, I think I'll yield the rest of my time to you. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Bob. We really appreciate your time and your energy and all your work with MSBO and, and with supporting business offices across the state of Michigan for schools. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to Economics of Learning today.